are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, and it's time to break down the Pelicans' biggest acquisition this offseason Steven Adams we're going to look at him offensively defensively the difference from Derek Favors and get you guys set for the season plus we have a couple more signings for the Pelicans is basically they're done with free agency for the most part we'll let you know who those guys are what to expect from them next season and where the Pelicans stand with everything so let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans all right, so let's take a look at the Pelicans' newest and most important acquisition, Stephen Adams, coming over from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And when you look at this trade, they're giving up a bit for him. They had to put in three sign-and-traded players, plus Darius Miller, plus a future first-round pick and two second-round picks. We don't really know what those are going to be just yet. It's a bit of a lot to give up for a guy who's a center that doesn't shoot threes and space the court. But when you look at Stephen Adams as a player, there is... Probably the best center they could have realistically gotten. You can look at the opportunity cost for a guy like Aaron Baines or what have you. But one, who knows if Baines was going to come here to New Orleans. And two, not everything is purely about about value. You've heard me talk about that a lot. That's what the Pelicans are trying to do. Kind of squeeze every ounce of value out of every move to build a winner in a small market where, frankly, you just don't have some of the breaks and the advantages that big markets do. And sometimes, though, future picks don't win you games. They're not going to win you games right now. They may not win you games in the future. At a certain point, you just have to put quality basketball players out there on the court. And frankly, Steven Adams is that. He's above average. He's probably good you could consider. Uh, he could be considered. So all of this means that maybe the Pelicans overpaid a bit for Steven Adams. And in the long-term thinking, it's maybe not the best move. But they also do want to take a step forward this year. So some, in some way, Steven Adams is bridging the gap for the Pelicans between all of this stuff. Or kind of shooting the middle here, I think. Threading the needles maybe a better uh, way to phrase it. It's not a stopgap center because I firmly believe the Pelicans will look to try and re-sign him going into next or after next season, going into the year after that. And so it's not a stopgap. They gave up those assets, not just for a one-year rental, but for a long-term player that they think fits what they're trying to do offensively and defensively. And we're going to look at both sides of those balls to show you exactly how Steven Adams does fit in with the team. Offensively last season, Steven Adams averaged 10.9 points per game. He also just here is basic county stats. 10.9 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.1 blocks. He did it on 60% shooting. Let's call it 59.2% on seven and a half attempts per game. Does not shoot threes. Has only made one in his career. It was against New Orleans last season, which was super annoying. He gets to the line um, a handful of times per game, 3.2, and shoots it at 58% last season. The offense numbers aren't great. There's a very clear role for him offensively, and that is a big man who sets screens in the pick and roll and dives towards the rim. It's really as simple as that. 
He gets a lot of his points on putbacks. He is a pretty strong offensive rebounder, grabbing 3.3 a game. But his putback numbers are not very efficient because what you look at when you watch him play is he struggles to finish around the rim and particularly through contact. For a guy as strong as he is, it is a bit surprising to see that. And in fact, Derek Favors was better than him at that sort of thing next uh, last year. It's okay. It's not the, 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 the worst thing in the world, but he is not great exactly at scoring around the rim. So even when he gets an offensive board, he doesn't do a good or the most efficient job of scoring in those type of situations. He will still get you put back points. That's good, but it's less than one point per possession, meaning he's basically on put back shooting less than 50%. It's not ideal when you think about usually how easy those situations are off of an offensive rebound. But he is an unbelievably good role man for a number of reasons. And when you look at the Pelicans last season, they were a pick and roll team and they were somewhat efficient at it. They ranked in the 93rd percentile in terms of pick and roll man. And this is, of course, from the NBA.com slash stat site where they averaged 1.25 points per play on pick and roll situations. But it wasn't really Zion and it was a lot of the other guys, the guards doing a lot of the work. J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday being the role guy in pick and roll situations for other guards actually kind of good. It was the bigs that really did struggle with this. And so Steven Adams, who's a better pick and roll man than Derek Favors and Zion Williamson, stepping in to kind of be that finisher, at least in the pick and roll, still is going to upgrade the team. I don't know if they're going to be elite at this, if there are some spacing issues out there on the court. And you're going to have those with both Zion and Steven Adams out there. Because if the front, if the rim is crowded, I don't know if I trust Steven Adams to finish around the rim a lot. And to finish well, as we just mentioned, he struggles with that to some degree. And if you're only shooting under 60% from the line, it's going to put you in a bad situation if that's kind of where you end up. And that's what it looks like a bit for New Orleans. But he's a better pick and roll finisher than any other big man really on the team other than some flashes that Jackson Hayes showed. But the signing of Willie Hernan Gomez doesn't exactly make you think that the team trusts Jackson Hayes to get a big role. So this is largely going to fall on Adams's shoulder. In the pick and roll last season, which he ran about a quarter of his time out there to finish plays, 1.29 points per possession. He ranked in the 78th percentile. Derek Favors was the 69th percentile. Nice. And Zion Williamson was in the 61st percentile. So he immediately steps in and becomes that main pick and roll big man that New Orleans kind of needs. And when you look at some of the things he does in those situations, though, he's also going to make things easier on the ball handlers. New Orleans struggled. We're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of the ball handlers scoring out of the pick and roll. Part of it is... Favor sets okay screens. Zion, not not really a ton right now. Jax wasn't going to show you much of that. But in terms of hustle plays and screen assists per game, well, Steven Adams ranked 7th. He had 4.8 screen assists per game. So he sets a screen and the guy goes on to score off of that screen. It's really good. That leads to 10.2 points per game on screen assists. That is exactly the type of guy... New Orleans needs. He's going to still need the guards to take advantage of this. Can this roster of Eric Bledsoe, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, maybe those guys can do it. We don't really trust Lonzo Ball to do it yet. And this is where Kyra Lewis Jr. could step in and play a much bigger role because you need a guard that can use these really, really strong screens, which Steven Adams sets. But Adams might make it easier for those other guys too, just giving them a little bit more separation. 
I expect to see a lot more dribble handoffs than we saw last season as well because he's going to give you a little bit more separation on that handoff because how good he is is parking his body and creating space. I like the Steven Adams signing just for that alone. He's not going to be that score down low. He doesn't do well in isolation. He doesn't do well in um, post-up situations either. But he's going to free other guys. And if you can make life a little bit easier for the guards, it probably helps their development some. And that's where Adams has the majority of his value offensively. That and grabbing those offensive rebounds. And then maybe he just needs to kind of kick those out. So in the next segment, the real value is going to come from Steven Adams on the defensive end. Let's look at that, how he's going to help the team and where does the team also need to work around him a little bit more because there is a very real part of that that really jumps to the forefront when you watch him. Before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by Built Go. Sometimes you just got a wall that you've got to break through, whether it's getting up in what felt like the middle of the night because I'd already gone to bed to record an emergency Drew Holiday podcast. Maybe it's just getting through your day. Working from home can be a bit of a slog too. Or maybe you're going into the office. It's weirder. It's tough to just kind of feel like normal. Whatever your wall is, you've got to break through it and Built Go can help you do that. It's easy to take one and a half ounce energy gel packets, the absolute best on the market. Put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or just keep it on you throughout the day whenever you need a little bit of a pickup. Or use it to ignite your workout. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, and it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking an energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. And Built Go comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. So how's it work? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, and that collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it's going to get in your body and your system quicker. And Built Go is loaded with good stuff to help ignite your work. It's got beta-lene in it, honey, B6, B3, B12, and a little bit of caffeine, basically everything you need to keep going strong. And that collagen gel is going to promote soft tissue, joint health, uh, hair and skin health, so it literally just makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. So this offseason has been a little bit wild, and in tomorrow's show, we're going to take a look at the Western Conference. How did it change throughout free agency, the draft, all of the player movement, all of the trades, all of the signings? Certain teams got significantly better. I'm looking at you, Portland. I'm looking at you, Phoenix. Some teams got worse. Houston, OKC, we're going to break it all down and see where the Pelicans stand in the Western Conference in tomorrow's edition of Locked On Pelicans, so make sure you listen. All right, so how does Steven Adams help the Pelicans in the area? They probably need it the most. We just went over what his contributions are going to be on offense, and it's fairly straightforward, I think. But defensively is an area the Pelicans really need some help on, and that's why they're bringing in a guy like Steven Adams to do it. And while the track record kind of speaks for itself, look at his tenure in Oklahoma City. Basically, only once were they ever in the bottom half of the league in defensive rating. And it was one year when they were 16th. They've been in the top 10 the past three years, largely led by Steven Adams. Other guys on the roster, I don't want to take away from Oklahoma City. But it starts with the rim protection. And that absolutely is what Steven Adams provides New Orleans, what what he provided to OKC, and now what he's going to provide to New Orleans. First and foremost, he provides more rim deterrence and rim protection than a guy like Derek Favors did. And this is now coming from the B-Ball Dash Index. And make sure you check it out and sign up for amazing player profiles and stats for just $5 a month. In terms of rim deterrence, Steven Adams grades out as an A-. Derek Favors grades out as a C+. 
It's not particularly great. The fact that he's down low stops teams from driving. That is going to be a huge thing for New Orleans. Just the threat of Steven Adams down low is going to impact opponents' offensive possessions in their game plan more so than the threat of a guy like Derek Favors out there. Favors is a little bit better at actually protecting the rim in terms of field goal percentage, but it's not by much. And Steven Adams puts up more blocks and a higher contest rate than Derek Favors did last season for New Orleans. Favors clearly didn't have everything going for him. There were injuries. There was the death of his mother. There was just maybe the shock and and uh, you know adjustment that he struggled with going from the Utah Jazz to New Orleans, which is one of the reasons why I think he immediately signed back there. That just it was too much for him. He clearly had only known one thing in his career, and he getting taken out of that kind of affected him. But Stephen Adams, compared to last year's Derek Favors is very much an improvement. And in fact, teams shoot significantly worse at the rim and in uh, down low against Steven Adams than they do against Derek Favors, against, uh, against what's expected. So when you look at what the expected field goal percentage is, you shoot worse than that when you've got Steven Adams out there on the court. So that is a good thing for New Orleans and exactly what you want to see from him. He's also a little bit better out there on the perimeter. He can t- contest three-pointers a little bit. He can at least poke the ball loose, and he's a little bit more mobile and can slide side to side a little bit better than Derek Favors does. But let's n- make no mistake, it's not like he can really switch out onto wings. He can switch out onto another big and guard him out there to some degree. But there's not a ton of positional versatility defensively for a big man like Steven Adams, and that's fine. In terms of defensive rebounding, The numbers tend to favor, well, they look better for Derek Favors. They favor Derek Favors. I do think the numbers are significantly misleading, though, for Steven Adams. If you look at what he's been asked to do kind of historically in his career with Russell Westbrook, who, don't forget, averaged a triple-double, Steven Adams wasn't always told to go out there and just grab rebounds. A lot of his job was boxing out to let a guy like Russell Westbrook get the rebounds. It was actually part of the Thunder's design. They thought that they could start a fast break a whole lot quicker if a guard like Westbrook grabbed the defensive board and went. So instead of trying to go for that board, Steven Adams would just try and put a body on someone and block them out of there and not go and grab the rebound himself so that it could go to Russell Westbrook. People wanted to say it's stat padding for Westbrook. It was partially by design for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The fact that Steven Adams is like, I don't care about the numbers. I'll just do my job and not complain about that is a big bonus for New Orleans and something I like to see. So I think when you look at his rebounding numbers and the fact that he only grabbed six offense or defensive rebounds per game last season, it looks a little bit worse than it actually is. In fact, that number was up significantly from the 4.6 the year before, the 4.0 before that, and the 4.2. So all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook's gone off the team. He can focus more on trying to rebound. And while you see him succeeding at that sort of thing. And when you pull the numbers, it's reflected in that. Two seasons ago, Steven Adams averaged nine box outs per game. That was third most in the NBA. The year before that, let me take a look at those numbers too. I'm expecting it to be, yep, he was number one, 11.5 per game. Two seasons ago, when he boxed out, the team grabbed 82.1% of the rebounds out there. Last season, or um, Sorry, that was three seasons ago. Two seasons ago when he boxed out, 86.1% of rebounds is what the team grabbed. And in last season, he was a little bit lower because, again, they didn't have Russell Westbrook. His box outs were just 5.1 per game. 
and the team grabbed 80.1% of the rebounds when he boxes out like that. So really good numbers, but he's not going to fix the Pelicans defensive rebounding woes himself. He can definitely go out and get those himself. I really trust him on that sort of thing. But they're also going to need him, uh, you're, not him, you're going to need the rest of the team to step up and go and get those boards because he's so good at boxing out, you need others to step it up. Don't expect him to just come in and fix it himself. But he showed that when you need to call upon him to do some of that work, those re- that rebounding percentage, he can do it. So this should immediately help New Orleans on the defensive side of the ball in terms of rim protection and stopping some drives to the rim just by the fact that he's kind of a scary man down low and teams don't want to go after him. And for the fact that he's going to box out and really help you in that regard. If you look at his defensive rebounding percentage two seasons ago with Westbrook on the team, it was 14.8. When you look at it last season, it's 24%. It jumped up about 10% or so just by him needing to do more. He's clearly capable of doing it. And it would not shock me at all if his defensive uh, defensive rebounding numbers significantly went up this coming season. He was basically 10 last year, let's call it. I would not be surprised if he can jump that number close to maybe 15 per game or so. He's 9.3. Maybe it's going to be 13 or so per game. Four more defensive boards per game is a significant number to average. This is a guy that could maybe give you 10 and 13 and good interior defense toughness for New Orleans. That's kind of what you need offensively he's a bit limited you're going to use him in the pick and roll to spring some guys but also imagine a double pick with him and zion both of them diving to the rim or if you throw in another center out there alongside steven adams that has some shooting range maybe jacks develops it you can run that kind of pick and roll pick and pop combo off of double screens there's a lot of ways that steven adams is going to step in and help new orleans and there's a reason they gave up a future first for him plus other draft compensation and if he adds all of the stuff that they're thinking he can add and being a bit more mobile than Derek favors well it looks like this is a guy that new orleans is going to try and resign after this season as well so there you go offensive breakdown and defensive breakdown of steven adams how he's going to impact the team next season why i do think this is a very good signing for new orleans and the fact is you want to be competitive next year you need to put good players out there on the court sometimes you've got to spend assets to be able to do that new orleans did for steven adams so coming up the pelicans announced two new signings through andrew lopez of espn we'll break those down uh and where the pelicans roster stands are they done in free agency where do they go from here all of that and a little bit more in the final segment of today's edition of locked on pelicans Don't forget to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast on Tuesdays. It's East meets West in Locked On NBA with Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Rammel, host of Locked On Heat as they tackle the biggest stories of the day in the association coast to coast. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, wrapping up today's show, like the Pelicans kind of wrapped up free agency yesterday. First, the biggest news was that I missed was Etwan Moore going to the Phoenix Suns. Um, so he's gone from the team. It looks like Frank Jackson won't be back either. And the Pelicans, after these two signings, their roster now stands at 14. They are, they still have the full use of the mid-level exception. They still have the biannual exception. The problem is going to be when you factor in the Brandon Ingram max extension, which he's going to get and should be done somewhat soon. We talked about why you don't need to worry about that in yesterday's show. They are about half a million dollars from the luxury tax. This is not a team as of today that is worth paying the tax for. There's not one player out there that is worth 
using the mid-level exception or the biannual exception that is worth paying the luxury tax for. Not at this stage. So I don't expect the Pelicans will really do anything else in free agency other than sign another guy to a two-way contract. They have one right now. But with 14 guys left on the roster, they're likely going to go into the season with an open roster spot. And you know what? That's going to be fine. And they'll look to make other deals, make other trades throughout the season to improve the team and the long-term outlook. And having an empty roster spot isn't the worst thing to do in a situation like that. You can do it in terms of an unbalanced trade in terms of number of players. So the two guys that they signed, you know one of them, and that was Sindarius Thornwell, who made it onto the team for the bubble last season. They're signing him to a minimum contract, uh, you know, which... Makes sense. It's a guy who didn't do a ton. He played two games for the Pelicans in the bubble, basically when they were already out of it. Averaged eight points during those two games in two boards. Did it on 55% shooting and 50% from three. Throw kind of all of that out. It's just a dude who can play on the wing and in the backcourt that has a high motor that is willing to score when the opportunity presents itself. And you know what? As a final end of roster guy, that is not bad to have. I'm not going to... Blow smoke up your asses here and tell you these guys are amazing. I saw it on Twitter. People kind of freaking out. Uh, What an amazing signing. I'm not going to go that far. I don't have high expectations for minimum guys who get added to the roster because you just need to fill it out. Sindarius Thornwell, we kind of know what he did. It's fine. It's not a bad guy to have play some spot minutes here and there. For the Pelicans, they got some other front court help with Wenyan Gabriel, an undrafted rookie who spent time with both the Kings and the Portland Trailblazers last year. If you're looking for someone who has some upside, it's probably Gabriel, though again, I caution you on blowing these guys up. Maybe it's me being cynical and having done this for 10 years and having sold myself on so many fringe guys that these guys are going to be good and like it never works out. So I'm not going to come in and claim that this guy is going to be a Montrez Harrell-like type of player for New Orleans, partially because his end-of-bench guys, you're not going to really get the opportunity to do it. There will be injuries, and Wendon Gabriel will have a chance to play significant minutes or even get a start in a game or two, and he better be ready for that. Because if you don't make the most of that opportunity, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be coming later on. He is not a court spacer, really, or he does it on very limited attempts, shooting 30% last season, 6 of 20. I don't know if we really want to bank on that. That probably limits his role for New Orleans as well in this. 6'9", so he's got good size at the power forward position. And this dude has a motor that is always, always going. Offensively, he doesn't do much. He wasn't good in um, shooting in the league last season. He don't think he really sought a ton from him at Kentucky, one of the big reasons why he was undrafted. Uh, But he does play with a lot of heart, a lot of energy. And he played in the playoffs for Portland. He had two games in the bubble and then in the playoffs really did well. I, I will give him that. And it was much more impressive. So showing up when it mattered... I do think is a very good thing. He started two games, the first two games, including that surprise win over the Los Angeles Lakers in game one, where he drew the start against Anthony Davis and played enough defense, I thought, to help them win that game. It wasn't amazing. Let's not necessarily you know, pretend that, but he was pretty good in that defensively. He fouls too much. In the four playoff games that he played, he averaged four fouls per game. That is a problem, and he did that in only 13 minutes. I don't know how much that can really help you. And don't forget, Anthony Davis still went off for 28 points and 11 rebounds in that game as well, though it did feel a little bit subdued. 
it's a nice guy to take a flyer on. He's going to be 24 years old next season in his second year in the NBA. Again, I caution you to not get too excited about guys like this, but I'm hoping he succeeds. He will be given the opportunity to, and having a defensive specialist in the front court where Nicolo Melli doesn't really do that, where Zion struggles with that still. Jackson Hayes, yeah, he's not there yet. I think he's not a bad guy to take a flyer on for a guy that can play some spot minutes here and there and soak him some fouls if you need it, that at least has some upside, even if it is kind of limited. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. That's going to do it for the show, giving you the breakdown of Steven Adams offensively, defensively, and the newest additions to the Pelicans roster. Well, one new addition, one retained from last season. And that's probably going to be the roster. So this is the team going into next year. And that means in tomorrow's show... We'll break down where the Pelicans stand in the West, what their outlook is for the season, and how they get better. There's one, two really simple ways that they go about that. I'll let you know what it is in tomorrow's show. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll see you all tomorrow.